Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi there again and welcome to the Explaining History podcast and tonight I'm looking mainly at the challenges that the uh, British Royal Navy had in the Mediterranean during the Second World War. Looking again at uh, Max Hastings tonight um, and the, uh, the, the the difficulties firstly caused by um, some of the, um, the venerable um, age of uh, Royal Naval warships. Obviously Britain had the largest navy in the world in 1939. But it didn't necessarily mean that uh, much of the uh, Royal Naval tonnage was uh, up to date. Um, secondly, as is so often the case with Britain's war, Churchill's strategy caused huge complications for the Royal Navy, particularly Britain's uh, decision to wage a war in North Africa and for Churchill to make this part of the uh, major effort of the um, British um, uh, British war um, from 1939 to about 1943. Um, the, this caused a huge overstretch in the Mediterranean uh, and vulnerability. 
Anyway, Max Hastings writes, Most British battleships were old and slow, and could not be adapted for bulky modern fire-controlled equipment. The Dutch Navy's triaxially stabilised Hasmeyer system represented the most advanced AA gunnery technology in the world, to which the Royal Navy gained access in 1940. It was fragile and unreliable, however, and the British version entered general service only in 1945. Anti-aircraft fire control remained sadly ineffective, meanwhile. Britain had more carriers than the US Navy in 1943, but they were never enough to go round, or rather to meet global demand, and they were too small to carry powerful air groups. Fleet air-arm pilots uh, displayed notable courage, but their performance was indifferent in both air combat and anti-shipping operations. The RAF, doctrinally committed to, strategic, to a strategic bomber offensive, resisted the diversion of resources to support operations at sea. Throughout the conflict, the Royal Navy displayed the highest standards of courage, commitment and seamanship, but until 1943, it struggled against odds to fulfil too many responsibilities with too few ships, all vulnerable to air attack. Um, I mean, an example of that, of course, is the uh, sinking of the Repulse and the Prince of Wales off the coast of Malaya in 1942. Once again, a uh, uh, vulnerable to air attack and uh, with a very, very uh, loose fighter screen from uh, from Malaya um, and uh, the, uh, the sitting ducks really for the Japanese that had known about their uh, the arrival of these two warships and um, because of Churchill uh, announcing that they would be sent um, to protect uh, uh, to protect Singapore and Malaya, and of course, knowing that they were coming, the Japanese practiced dive bombing against warships, um, just in time for them to, to turn up. Churchill's decision to make a major British military effort in North Africa obliged the Navy to conduct operations in the Mediterranean with negligible air cover, and in the face of strong Axis air forces operating from fields in Italy, Sicily, Libya, Rhodes, Greece and Crete. Able seaman Charles Hutchinson described an attack on the cruiser Carlisle in May 1941. The bombers came and attacked us wave after wave. They seemed to single a ship out and deliver a mass attack on it, diving vertically from all angles. A huge bomb exploded in the war near our gun. Tons of water crashed down on us, tearing, away, tearing us away from the gun and tossing us around like straw. I was certain we would be swept over the side. One thought flashed in my mind. My God, this is the end. After what seemed an eternity, we picked ourselves up, blew up our life belts and kicked away our shoes, as for one, um, as I for one expected to abandon ship. But in short time, we were firing again, as we were still being attacked. Huge pieces of shrapnel lay around. There was a huge column of black smoke amidships and a direct hit on number two gun. There isn't a gun now, just a piece of charred metal. Nearly all the gun's crew were wiped out. Most of the lads trapped underneath the gun or blown away uh, like, like against the splinter shield. It was a ghastly sight. We lived and slept all as a family for a year and a half, laughed, quarrelled and joked, all gone ashore together, discussed our private lives. Poor old Bob Sylvie is still under the gun. I've seen him, but it's impossible to get him out. So Part of the problem of campaigning in North Africa for the British and the German armies and the Italians as well 
was the uh, were the distances involved um, and the fact that the longer the uh, the more territory the uh, one or the other army conquered, the longer the supply lines became and the more thirsty the army became for both water, drinking water and fuel. And the uh, problem therefore was resupply. And in the by late 1942, the uh, the German uh, successes across North Africa that uh, end with the Second Battle of El Alamein um, and the then the the torch landings in Tunisia and Algeria mean that the uh, the the, the, uh, the German campaign of the Africa Corps is thrown into crisis. But it's also thrown into crisis because supplies are not coming across the Mediterranean. Despite the problems of the Royal Navy that we've just heard about there, by late 1942, uh, the Royal Navy and the RAF are uh, causing havoc for the Axis powers in the Mediterranean. So there was some really, uh, some really kind of radical uh, changes of fortune in the Mediterranean, which spelled doom ultimately for the North Africa campaign. And a lot of this is related to the island of Malta. So Max Hastings writes, Malta, the only offshore outpost in the central Mediterranean from which the Axis supply routes to North Africa could be interdicted, it, uh, faced three years of siege, almost uh, under almost continuous bombardment from nearby Sicily. At times, an island, uh, the island became unserviceable as an offensive base for submarines and surface ships, but it remained a vital, um, a vital earnest of Britain's will to fight. Hitler blundered by failing to seize Malta in 1941, and huge efforts and sacrifices were made to sustain it thereafter. Between June 1940 and early 1943, the Mediterranean was largely unusable as an Allied supply route. But Churchillian war-making emphasised um, uh, emphasized assertion of the Navy's presence and engagements of opportunity, especially against the Italian fleet. Some of the fiercest naval fighting of the war and heavy British losses uh, took place in those limpid waters. The Axis faced increasing pressure on its own ceiling to North Africa, but the passage between southern Italy and Tripoli was short. Only in mid-1942 did shipping losses and fuel shortages begin to exert an important influence on Rommel's fortunes. So here we switch to Anthony Beaver and his um, history of the Second World War, which I guess, I mean, for, for my money, is, is probably the, the better book uh, and something that um, I really will uh, delve more into um, uh, in, in, in a distant, in, in, probably in the distant future, actually. But we're going to look now at his views on the the resupply of Rommel's armies in, uh, across the Mediterranean. Um, and here in his chapter on June to December 1941, he writes, Soon after the German invasion of the Soviet Union, Rommel had begun to plan a new attack on the besieged port of Tobruk, which had become the key to the war in North Africa. He needed it to supply his troops uh, and to eliminate the threat of, to his rear. Tobruk was now held by the British 70th Division, reinforced by a Polish brigade and a Czech battalion. During the desert summer, with its mirage shimmer on the desert uh, under the, a blazing sky, a sort of phony war had developed, with little more than the odd skirmish along the wire of the Libyan frontier. 
British and German reconnaissance patrols chattered to each other by radio, on one occasion complaining when a newly arrived German officer forced his men to open fire after a tacit ceasefire had been arranged. For the, for the infantry on both sides, life was less amusing under such conditions, with just a litre of water a day for drinking and washing. In their trenches, they had to cope with scorpions, sand fleas and aggressive desert flies, which swarmed over every piece of food and every inch of exposed flesh. Dysentery became a major problem, especially for the Germans. Even the defenders of Tobruk were short of water, as a Stuka attack had wrecked the desalination plant. The town itself was badly battered by shellfire and bombing, and the harbour half full of sunken ships. Only the determination of the Royal Navy kept them supplied. Members of the remaining Australian brigade began bartering war loot for beer as soon as the ship arrived. Rommel had a much greater problem of resupply across the Mediterranean. Between January and late August 1941, the British had managed to sink 52 Axis ships and damage another 38. In September, the submarine HMS Upholder sank two large passenger ships carrying reinforcements. Africa Corps veterans began to call the Mediterranean the German swimming pool. The Axis failure to invade Malta in 1940 was now shown to have been a major mistake. The Kriegsmarine especially had been dismayed earlier that in the year, and Hitler insisted that the airborne forces should be used against Crete rather than Malta, because he feared Allied raids against the Ploesti oil fields. Since then, the constant bombing of airfields on Malta and the Grand Harbour of Valletta had not proved an effective substitute for outright capture. This is a, a huge um, thing. I think that gets kind of overlooked. When people talk about Hitler's fateful decisions, you know, the, the, the decision to um, stop the tanks at Dunkirk and allow the British Expeditionary Force to get away. Apocryphally, Hitler, in some uh, magnanimous moment, uh, decided that he would let the British go away to show good faith. And of course, that's total nonsense. Um, Hitler was uh, quite intent on uh, destroying the British Expeditionary Force. He, the, the Holt order um, was really about uh, allowing the, uh, a break for the exhausted tank crews um, and the fact that the terrain didn't, wasn't really supportive of tank warfare. Uh, but mainly it was the fact that Goering had promised that the BEF could be destroyed from the air and Hitler foolishly took Goering at his word. The um, other fateful decisions, the decisions to invade the Soviet Union, obviously you know, fundamentally shaping not just the rest of the war, but really the rest of the 20th century. But the, 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 the decision to not seize Malta um, eventually dooms the North African campaign. Aircraft can be flown from Malta to bomb uh, German uh, resupply convoys, and ships can sail from Malta, and submarines uh, can sail from Malta too. Uh, and so um, Malta, in, in many ways, is, uh, is a, a real failing. And the decision to seize Crete Possibly, possibly Crete would have been um, a, a more of an obstacle, um, but the the oil fields at Ploesti in Romania are eventually bombed from Egypt anyway. By eventually in 1943, by the U.S. Air Force. Um, so it was a a kind of a quite quite a disaster. Um, also, British signals intelligence really comes into its own at this point. The war in the Mediterranean is very much uh, one from Bletchley Park. 
British intercepts of Italian naval codes provided rich rewards. On the 9th of November, K-Force, sailing from Malta with the light cruisers HMS Aurora and Penelope, and two destroyers, struck a triply-bound convoy. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Although the convoy was escorted by two heavy cruisers and ten destroyers, the British force dashed in at night using radar. In less than 30 minutes, three Royal Naval warships sank all seven freighters and a destroyer without suffering any damage. The Kriegsmarine was livid and threatened to take over control of Italian naval operations. The Africa Corps adopted a similarly patronising view of its allies. One has to treat the Italians like children, a lieutenant in the 15th Panzer Division wrote home. There are no, uh, they are no good as soldiers, but they are the best comrades. You can get anything from them. After all the delays and waiting for supplies, which never came, Rommel planned his strike against Tobruk for the 21st of November. He disbelieved Italian warnings that the British were about to launch a major offensive, yet he felt compelled to leave the 21st Panzer Division behind Tobruk and Bardia. Uh, just in between Tobruk and Bardia, just in case. This would probably have left him with insufficient forces for a successful attack on Tobruk. In any case, on the 18th of November, three days before his planned assault on the port, the newly named British 8th Army, commanded by Lieutenant General Sir Alan Cunningham, crossed the Libyan frontier and operation, um, in Operation Crusader. Having made approaches... Uh, uh, approach marches at night under strict radio silence and concealed by day with sandstorms and thunderstorms, the 8th Army achieved total surprise. So by uh, early 1942, um, with the, uh, as the kind of the, the tide of war once again slipped away from the British and into uh, Germany's favour, the the British were forced to retreat once more uh, all the way across what is now uh, Libya and all the way eventually uh, into Egypt where they uh, hold the line um, at uh, El Alamein um, at the end of the year. Uh, and um, Anthony Beaver writes... 
After the humiliating retreat across Cyrenaica um, and uh, in, in January and February 1942, the Rommel myth, so fervently propagated by Goebbels, was also promoted by the British. The legend of the Desert Fox was a very misguided attempt to explain away their own failures. Hitler was amazed and delighted by such hero worship. He encouraged his belief that the British, after all their defeats in the Far East, were close to collapse. He was, however, prepared to rein in his favourite general to appease the Italians. Mussolini's position was threatened by the growing opposition within the Commando Supremo, whose members felt that the Duce was too much in Hitler's pocket, and they had been affronted by Rommel's arrogance and peremptory demands, to say nothing of his constant complaints about the failure to provide and protect the supply convoys he needed. In addition, Halder uh, and the OKH were still, um, uh, were still resolutely opposed to reinforcing Rommel. They argued that the Suez Canal should uh, should be taken only after an advance through the Caucasus. Um, of course, the, uh, the the primacy of of the Russian campaign would have been um, uh, hugely hugely important to them, and the ability to make the argument that the war could be run uh, through uh, the the Russia campaign alone um, was was uh, utmost in their in, in their calculations. The priority of the Eastern Front remained a powerful argument as they prepared their great offensive in southern Russia. Only the Kriegsmarine, which wanted the policy of defeating Britain first, supported Rommel's ambitions. The island of Malta was in a desperate position after a renewed Luftwaffe bomb, uh, bombing offensive uh, against the airfields and the main harbour of Valletta. All five ships in a convoy in March were sunk and the troops and civilian population faced starvation. But in May, a reinforcement of 60 Spitfires flown off the aircraft carrier USS Wasp and the arrival of a mine layer with supplies saved the island. General Field Marshal Albert Kesselring, the German commander-in-chief in the Mediterranean, had made plans for an airborne invasion of Malta, Operation Hercules. But these had to be put aside. Not only was Hitler dubious of success, but a 10th Fleet Corps was, uh, was needed further east. Also, the Italians demanded excessive support before committing themselves. Hitler had um, big reservations about um, uh, airborne troops after Crete. Um, before the invasion of Crete, um, he had absolutely he had been emphatic that this was one of the the, the uh, chief weapons of the the, the 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 German war machine. Following Crete, when uh, hundreds of uh, parachutists were shot in the air by British and New Zealand troops and Australian troops, um, the, uh, uh, the 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 Führer's belief in the efficacy of airborne invasions kind of crumbled. Um, Rommel himself was uh, absolutely certain that he was he was uh, absolutely certain of success to the extent that he ignored Hitler um, and um, he ignored Hitler's kind of uncharacteristic caution. Um, the the orders came through for a, a pause to allow supply lines to um, to reach his army to allow um, for uh, for resupply and for supply lines to kind of establish themselves. Um, but once again, he he moved forward. Um, 
The fighting has um, has none of the horror, that indescribable misery of the Russian campaign. An under officer um, wrote uh, home in April. No villages and towns destroyed or laid to waste. In another letter that evening, he wrote to his mother, the Tommy out here takes everything in a more sporting way, almost to a decisive victory. Although Rommel's, Rommel's soldiers were also afflicted by the mass of flies and the intense heat which baked their bread hard, they soon expected a victory from the great offensive in Russia and the Tommies here will be crushed from both sides. They look forward to visiting Cairo. The OKW um, then suddenly came round to the idea of Rommel's dream of seizing Egypt in the Suez Canal. Hitler began to fear that, Ameri uh, that American military support might arrive earlier than he had originally thought. Even an Allied attack across the Channel could not be ruled out. If Rommel could smash the Eighth Army, he reasoned, British morale would be shattered. Also, the Japanese had indicated that they would advance westwards into the Indian Ocean only if the Germans took the Suez Canal. So now you can sort of see, um, to to some onlookers, to some military historians, North Africa is a sideshow. And in, in terms of numbers, it is. In terms of troops committed, it is. But actually, by this point in the war, by mid early to mid-1942, the, the, there is a point to the North Africa campaign, and it's about breaking the British. It's about severing the British from their empire. It's about seizing the uh, Suez Canal. It's less to do with oil. I'm absolutely certain of that. I believe Hitler's view about where oil was, it was Russia. I mean, of course, you know, nobody is unaware that oil is in uh, the Middle East, but Hitler's uh, the, the the oil that Hitler wanted was in Russia, but it was also um, about breaking British morale, showing Britain that fighting on was hopeless, uh, and that there would be and could be no final victory, and also galvanising Japan um, to uh, raid into the into the Indian Ocean uh, as far as uh, Madagascar. Um, the first stage of Rommel's invasion of Egypt, codenamed Operation Theseus, was to outflank the British defensive line. This extended in defended boxes from Gazala on the coast, some 80 kilometres west of Tobruk, southwards towards Bir Hakim, an outpost in the desert defended by General Marie-Pierre Koenig's 1st Free French Brigade. There were seven boxes, each defended by an infantry brigade group with artillery, barbed wire and minefields, which extended down to the next box. To the rear, Ritchie had placed his armoured formations uh, ready to make a counterattack. Rommel intended, then Rommel then intended to seize Tobruk. The capture of the port was regarded as essential for resupply, otherwise it would take his Opal Blitz trucks 14 days for each round trip up from Tobruk, Tripoli, all the way back again. So Tobruk uh, was about making sure that the supplies could run smoothly. Tobruk does fall in the end, but ultimately Rommel's supply lines become self-defeating. They become too long, um, and the what what Rommel is defeated by not only by the massive American resupply of the British, but also by the logic of desert warfare itself, and the fact that Malta remains a uh, a kind of a key vulnerability 
for uh, German uh, suppliers, resupplies by sea, um, and uh, the the kind of the vulnerability that Hitler didn't deal with in 1940. Anyway, I hope you find this useful. And uh, coming up after this podcast, there's the uh, second of our Ukraine updates, which I hope you find useful and informative. Thanks very much. All the best, and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. All the best. Bye bye. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.